Right then, we are back for episode five, I believe, of Wrestler's Court. And today is a special episode where all I'm going to talk about is the curious case of Bray Wyatt. What a bizarre career that man has had in wrestling so far. I'm kind of going to go over some of the main points of his career. I'm not going to do every single match, every single feud. I'm just going to kind of talk about the the good, the bad, and the ugly, and where I think we could potentially go next, what I think shouldn't happen, and just really what's going on. I, I find him probably one of the most polarizing figures that wrestling's ever produced. I, I find him very, very interesting. I'm, I'm going to start the podcast just by saying that I love Bray Wyatt. I, I think he is good in the ring. I certainly don't think he's great. I think he's incredible on the microphone. And when he's got his head on straight, he is very captivating. He's one of the few guys or girls who can get in the ring or be on my screen and doesn't really have to talk about anything, but yet I want to keep watching. A lot of that has been proven in his most recent kind of white rabbit run, where there were certainly weeks where I felt they didn't really have any specific direction for him or he didn't have any direction that he was necessarily going in. But every week, you best believe I was tuning in to see what Bray Wyatt had to say, what he was going to talk about, whatever. The guy is, when he's on form, is incredible. I know he's got a lot of haters. I think some of that hate he gets is, is probably deserved, to be honest. Um, he, he certainly doesn't help himself. The WWE doesn't help him sometimes. Vince McMahon certainly does not help him sometimes. But that's, again, we're going to get into that a little bit as we go on. So I, I think what we'll start with is just kind of talking about kind of where he's from and, and, and why I, I think a lot more is expected from him than maybe what we've got and that is he's a third generation superstar you know he's he was born and bred in wrestling and he's from a wrestling family obviously uh black jack mulligan being his grandfather and then irs or mike rotunda being his dad his brother's obviously a wrestler as well taylor so the guy was born into a wrestling family and you just assume everything he touches will be great but that's always that's been proven that's not always the case and i, I do think it brings on an added pressure he, he's never going to be randy orton who is one of the greatest of all times in ring and kind of on the microphone and he's he's in my top 10 of all time randy probably the greatest third generation superstar of all time i'm sure that's going to get some debate me saying that as well there's a few others um, the Rock specifically is who I'm looking at there. But Randy's had a better career than The Rock. Whether you want to admit that or not, you can prefer The Rock, that's fine. But Randy's by far a better wrestler and had a much better career. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about Mr. Wyatt and kind of his road. And I think what we'll see when we go through the, the main parts of his career here is the amount of just ups and downs this guy has. Every time he seems to get some momentum... Either Vince McMahon, WWE, Randy Orton getting his way and kind of kill that momentum. And he'll then does a really good job of kind of building that back up to a point. And then it gets killed and build it back up. It's been one of the most 
up and down runs of any wrestler I can think of over this period of time. I do feel a bit sorry for him. I, I think I, I was listening to a Triple H interview with Ariel Helwani last year. And Triple H said, look, Bray Wyatt's mind is incredible, but his problem is he'll come up with one idea. And as those guys in creative are talking about that idea, he's came up with 10 more and he, he struggles to maybe stick to one idea. That's on WWE to a point to rein him in, as well as Bray Wyatt as well. They kind of both have to take some responsibility for that because some of his booking and some of his creative has been fucking terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. What I will say is for a guy who started as Husky Harris, he's had a pretty good fucking career. I mean, Husky Harris was terrible, looked terrible. Bray Wyatt's not the kind of wrestler we need to see wrestling with a shirt off. This coming from a guy with, look, I ain't skinny. If I was wrestling, I'm not going to be wrestling shirtless either. The look was terrible. It helped him out a huge amount starting in NXT before NXT was kind of the black and gold or whatever. It's interesting seeing, if you look back at it now, his mentor being Cody Rhodes, which is quite funny as well. But that run was what it was. Um, I think the most interesting thing about his run as Husky Harris is how that run ends, which most people probably don't remember, because why would you remember anything about Husky Harris, to be fair? But that run ends with one man, and that man is Randy Orton. Who's going to be a recurring theme in this? And again, I'll just say, I love Randy Orton, but he has not helped Bray Wyatt's career at any point. Um, but again, we'll come back to that. But yeah, he gets punted, because if I remember correctly, Randy's in a feud with CM Punk at the time. He gets punted, and he's off television. Which, to be fair, was the best thing that could have happened to Bray Wyatt, because he gets to go away, go to FCW, then go to NXT... His NXT is not particularly memorable, although that is the start of the Wyatt family. That's kind of the only thing you're going to really remember from that run. The real first thing that I remember when I think of Bray Wyatt is those incredible vignettes that WWE did for him. Building up, he's in the woods, he's in his Hawaiian shirt, and he's just fucking crazy. And you don't really know who he is, what he's doing, who the Wyatt family are. Especially if you didn't watch NXT, which especially back then, not a lot of people did. I'll be honest, I didn't watch NXT back then. I have went back and watched it since just to get a bit of an idea for it. But yeah, in terms of the general audience of WWE at the time, he was just different immediately in those vignettes. He stood out straight away from the pack. He wasn't a super Cena. He wasn't some awful, terrible bad guy. He was just weird and different. And he's out in the swamp and... Who knows what's going on with them? So these vignettes run on for a while, and it's really good. I'm, I'm really, I remember at the time being invested immediately. And this is what I mean. That guy draws you in. As soon as he's on screen, you want to see what he's talking about. And like I say, if you look into the wording or the dialogue of what he says a lot of the time, it kind of doesn't go anywhere or mean anything. But you best believe I'm watching every time I'm glued to the screen. I'm not looking away. I'm not texting. I want to know what he's saying. And he's had that from the start, which he deserves a huge amount of credit for because a lot of wrestlers really struggle to connect with the audience. That guy just, he has it. Regardless of what you think of his ability in the ring or anything else, that guy has an ability to draw you into a story, draw you into what he's saying. Love it, love it. 
the issue I have with his first feud is it's it's probably the last one where WWE did this. They did it for like 10 years, 11 years, which was when you're trying to get a superstar over who's new, put him in a feud with Kane because Kane's a big, scary monster. You beat that guy, you beat the monster, and then you're a, a made guy. You're, you're a big wrestler then. And that worked at the start. The problem was WWE did it for, like I say, about 10, 11 years. And there's only so many times the monster can be beaten before you just know that that feud's just there to build up that guy. Anyway, the feud starts. Like, I quite enjoyed it still. Like, this is certainly not Pete Kane by any point, but he's still a monster. He's still tough to beat. Unfortunately for both Kane and Bray Wyatt, they have their Ring of Fire match, which is Bray Wyatt's debut in the ring as Bray Wyatt. And the match is not good. It, it, it's not a fun match to watch. It, it looks, it's very clunky and kind of all over the place. I suppose the problem with that match is you know Bray Wyatt's going to win. So you're just waiting for Kane to get set on fire. And the, the match itself is kind of all built around when the Wyatt family are going to get involved and how they get involved, which I did feel made Bray Wyatt look a little weak. Don't get me wrong, I understand they're still trying to protect Kane and make him look strong as well, but it, it comes across like the only way that Bray Wyatt can win that match is with the Wyatt family, which is what he does. It is what it is. Um, it, it wasn't the greatest debut in the world. Again, credit to Bray Wyatt for being able to kind of come out of that and keep the Wyatt family going and looking strong. It then goes on to one of my favourite matches that Bray Wyatt has ever had. And I'm talking about his entire career. It's an incredible match. If you haven't watched it, they go into a feud with The Shield. The Shield are super over all three of them and they have the match and I honestly just assumed the shield will go over I can't remember how long the match is it's like 20-25 minutes it finishes with the Wyatt family going over which I was really shocked by again we're now a real high point of Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family you've just beaten arguably the most dominant faction ever in WWE I'm not necessarily saying that I think the shield are the, the best or the most dominant faction but they've got to be in the conversation and the Wyatt family, who it kind of hummed and hard over in terms of in the ring, they then go over clean, amazing stuff. Bray Wyatt's really at the the, the peak now. He, he's starting to really push, and you, you start to see him as a real main event guy. The issue with that is at that time, the main event guy was John Cena. Now, I'm not for one second going to say that a feud with Cena does you any bad. Like It, it doesn't do anything negatively to you. In the business that guy especially at that point was super Cena. he's the biggest wrestler in the world everyone's going to want to be in that feud i totally get that and there was parts of that feud that i really enjoyed and it builds up and you get to see kind of more of the mystique of bray wyatt and you get the kids choir singing whole world in his hands and you think this is pretty interesting um i'm, I'm invested and then you go into mania and you think wow what a match to have at Mania. What a, what a debut match at Mania you're going to have against Super Cena. And you lose. Of course you lose. Which is kind of... I understood um, to a point why Cena had to win. But at the same time, it's the same thing of Bray Wyatt goes up, gets his main event match, and loses and goes back down. And this is a continual thing. You have him, he wins the second match, and then... The third match he loses a last man standing match to Cena as well again 
it starts to hurt his legitimacy as a top tier guy and what i will say is a lot of people will say they preferred this version of bray wyatt over the fiend from a promo perspective i get that but from a main event guy you've got to say that the fiend until a certain moment we'll talk about was like the main event guy he was a monster he was a beast again we're going to come back to that but this version of bray wyatt as fun as he is at no point did i ever see him as one of the top top guys i wanted him to be one of the top top guys of course he's again i love bray wyatt i i find him incredibly interesting and he draws me in but it just felt that again he, he gets the scene i gets to that top point and he just he can't quite get over the line at this point now i'm still over like kind of hopeful at this point that they can still bring it back he goes into a feud with dean ambrose is the next big one i remember and from what i remember he just repeatedly beats dean ambrose which as some of you may know i'm not dean ambrose or john Moxley's biggest fan so i'm certainly not going to complain about that dean ambrose at the time is a big name a big star in wwe and again what we're doing now or what it feels like wwe are doing is they are building bray wyatt back up he's got a bunch of wins over a, a, not the top guy but one of the top guys he's looking really really strong he then gets put in a feud with roman reigns and we go exactly the same way again he gets the top he gets one of the top guys they have the hell in the cell match and he loses and again it's just this right to the top and then back down right to the top and then back down he, he just can't get over that line and it's as a viewer quite frustrating to watch because i just want to see that guy be at the top i don't think he needs to win every match I, this idea of wrestlers can't lose is dumb I'm, I'm not saying that but you can't keep putting him in the main event against one of the top guys and he loses everyone you then get kind of the Dolph Ziggler effect I'm not saying he's booked the same as Dolph Ziggler but Dolph Ziggler will have a great match with anyone but if he's against the top guy you know he's not going to win and that's how it started to feel with this incarnation of Bray Wyatt he pushes he pushes he pushes but he just can't quite get over the line he loses they then build him back up he loses now he took a from what i remember a double hit this time because he loses the feud with roman which is whatever they were trying to push roman at the time that didn't work but long run don't worry if you don't know roman reigns career gonna be fine i, th I think he's that kid's gonna do all right but yeah they put the wide fire back together and you have bray wyatt and luke harper in a handicap match against brock now Brock Lesnar's Brock Lesnar. He's one of the greatest of all time. He's super dominant. He beats both of them. And the problem with that, again, is it just makes Bray Wyatt look just too weak to be one of the top guys. So much so that, never mind, he can't beat Brock Lesnar in a one-on-one, -on -one, which is whatever. Even with his best pal, he still can't go over the line. And it just, again, it, it takes away any legitimacy as a top guy you can't see him holding a title you can't see him being dominant at any point he's interesting again credit where it is due he keeps getting to the peak and losing and yet i still want to keep watching him i still loved everything he was doing his crazy meandering promos sitting in slaughterhouses and whatnot i'm all for that kind of stuff it's weird it's wacky it's wonderful again i'm all for it but it, i'm starting to struggle a little bit with my 
where, where I believe Bray Wyatt can be in the long run. Because I, I do believe he could be one of the top, top guys. He's had moments to prove that. So he, what happens next is, again, the, the main recurring theme of his career, which is Randy Orton. So they put him in this tag team with Randy. They win the belts. He then kick out Luke Harper. There's lots of drama. The problem with this was, I don't think anyone believed long-term that Randy was going to be a member of the Wyatt family. And it made Bray Wyatt look a bit dumb. Because everyone else could see. Everyone knows who Randy is. He's the Viper. He's going to fuck you over. You think that he's going to realise that. And what I was hoping during it was it was actually going to be Bray Wyatt who turned on Randy. That makes Bray look smart. Looks like he's used Randy as opposed to what did happen. The, my issue with this feud more than anything is we go to Elimination Chamber and Bray Wyatt, I was shocked, won the world title. I was so happy to see that guy go over in what was a stacked Elimination Chamber. Sister Abigail, one, two, three, he's the champion. And I honestly thought, wow, they're going to they're gonna put the rocket on him. He's going to get a good little reign now as champion. Let's finally build that guy up. And he's at the top. He's at the pinnacle now. He's not beat anyone super in terms of a one-on-one -on -one match, but he's won an elimination chamber. He's the title holder. And he's going into Mania, and he's going to defend it against Randy Orton. And he loses in what is one of my least favorite Bray Wyatt matches of all time. The whole maggots turning up on the ring and stuff. It just didn't really make any sense. And again, if you're going to do this where Bray Wyatt has these powers, he set these things up so you're going to get all these cockroaches and weird things in the ring make him win the match make it mean something because if he does all of these extra things and then randy still just rkos him wins the title one two three it makes bray wyatt look weaker than he already looks by losing if you're desperate to put the title back on randy then that's fine i feel a bit sorry for bray wyatt repeatedly losing it but if you're going to give him all these special effects all these weird things and then he still loses like i say what was the point in any of that? Just don't do it. Just let him lose. If you're going to add these weird things in, make it mean something. And this meant nothing. It didn't go anywhere. It's not like he started doing it again in the future. It was just a thing for Mania that, if anything, just made Randy look stronger because he beat Bray Wyatt at his own game. They then have the House of Horrors match, which is just garbage. Like It's, it's not a good match. It just felt so put together to be weird and wacky and it just didn't work for me it was yeah the less said about that the better and then again we, we went from the peak he's then lost and then then we go to matt hardy and i'm i'm not gonna sit here and shit on matt hardy because i am tempted to do that i'm not what i am gonna say is as soon as you get paired with matt hardy you're not a main event guy anymore that's your run done that says to me You've had your chance, you blew it, that is you done. You're forever going to be a mid-card guy or a tag team guy. And as the deleter of Worlds, they were quite fun, they were entertaining, they had some good matches, but again, that's where Matt Hardy belongs. He belongs mid-card or in the tag team division, especially at that time. Bray Wyatt should be near the top. I'm not saying he needs to be the top guy all the time. He certainly doesn't, but he shouldn't be at Matt Hardy's level. It just brings him down so much more that by this point, to me, that character's done for now. There's no bringing him back. That's undone. 
And that's pretty much what happened. There was no real direction with what was going on. Obviously, Matt leaves. I believe he, he was injured at the time. But anyway, Bray Wyatt is gone. And he's kind of forgotten about, which is disappointing. Because although the run wasn't hugely long, it had some fun moments. And again, he, he brings you in on screen. You, you want to watch what he's doing. And I felt like that entire run, as we'll just go with the Eater of Worlds version. of You know what I mean. The Eater of Worlds version of Bray Wyatt had potential to be a lot more and to be a lot bigger. And I think what really shows that is that you'll still see people now online saying that that's their favorite version of Bray Wyatt. Now, that's great. But when you look back at what I've just said there, he loses to Randy, he loses to Roman, he loses to Brock, he loses to Cena. He loses all the time. He doesn't actually win a lot. He wins a lot less than The Fiend, which is where we're getting to. But people will still prefer that version of Bray Wyatt because of the way he talks, the vignettes, everything. It felt like such a missed opportunity that I think Vince McMahon and WWE have to look at themselves for that. That was I, I don't hold Bray Wyatt accountable for that. He, this was his first major run. I think he was probably just going along with whatever he was told to do. He's not in a position to say no a huge amount, I wouldn't imagine. Again, I can't say that. I don't work in WWE. I don't know the inner workings. But it was such a missed opportunity to make him great. That was the first missed opportunity. Let's get to The Fiend now. Now, The Fiend, again, is very polarizing. He's kind of... There's going to be a weird comparison, but he's a bit like John Cena when John Cena was at his peak. Some people love The Fiend. Other people hate The Fiend. Now, I'm very much in the love for the majority of The Fiend until we get to the end, which we'll get to. But the initial concept of The Fiend, I love. I think it was incredible. The vignettes start again, the Firefly Funhouse, where he's wacky and he's fun, but you can see behind his eyes that there's something else going on, and then they slowly start incorporating the idea of The Fiend. Build it, build it, build it. Now, I'm going to be honest, my issue with the build-up for The Fiend towards Finn Balor was they're not going to make the Fiend looks strong. He's going to have a real competitive match with Finn. I assume he's going to beat Finn, but it's going to be whatever. And I'm delighted to say that I was wrong because I think the Fiend's debut is one of the best like re-debuts of a wrestler ever. That entrance, I still remember to this day, sitting there thinking, what the fuck am I watching? He comes out, he looks terrifying, and he's carrying his own head. I mean... I don't think any wrestler's ever done that before. They come out carrying their own head in a fucking lamp. That was crazy. Finn Balor helps get that over as well by just looking like he's going to shit his pants in the ring. Like, what the fuck have I got myself into? The commentators help build it as well. And that match is perfect for making a guy look like a monster. He smashes Finn. I think Finn has like maybe two or three moves on him. But the Finn, you then start to realize doesn't feel jack shit he's just gonna walk through your punishment and he is gonna fuck you up he does that little move with finn where he grabs his chin and pretty much breaks his neck brutal tremendous i'm all in I i'm more in now to this character than i ever was the previous incarnation of bray wyatt which says a lot because i love that incarnation of bray wyatt as i've repeatedly said so we get the fiend and he just starts smashing people smashing legends Kurt Angle, Kane, whatever, he just comes out, 
does whatever the fuck he wants. And he's at the top. He's at the pinnacle. Can you guess where we're going next? That's right. He's going to drop off. What happens next is they put him against Seth Rollins, which at first, I think, the matches should be good because Seth can work with anyone. The Fiend, I'm interested to see how they work around him, just kind of taking all the punishment in the world. I don't think The Fiend needed the world title at any point. That worried me, and we'll see why later, why that didn't make any sense. But we get him in a world title match against Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell. And I remember going in that match thinking, this is going to be crazy. Seth's going to drop the title. He's been on an incredible run, but there's no way he beats The Fiend in Hell in a Cell. How can he possibly do that? He's not going to pin him, which he doesn't. And then, again, I can only assume this is Vince McMahon. He, he's realized already they've booked themselves into a corner with The Fiend where they, for whatever reason, don't want to put the title on him. But if that was the case, why did they put him in this match? It doesn't make any sense. Hell in the Cell is supposed to be the most brutal match in WWE. That's the, the feud ender. If you have a Hell in the Cell match, that's when you know shit's going to hit the fan. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be over. The big thing about Hell in the Cell is anything goes. Mankind nearly fucking died in that ring or in that Hell in the Cell. And they didn't stop that match. He gets thrown off the cage. He gets thrown in thumbtacks. He gets thrown through the cage. That referee keeps going. In The Fiend against Seth Rollins, he piles some ladders on him and hits him with a hammer and he gets disqualified. Or they stop the match. It's a no contest. Whatever. I can't even fully remember the result. The reason I can't re remember the result is I was fucking furious at how stupid all of this was. It was so clearly a way to keep the belt on Seth while trying to protect The Fiend, which it didn't. The ending was pretty cool where he comes back and gets the mandible claw on Seth and there's blood shooting everything, whatever, that was pretty cool, but the match itself was so dumb. And again, this is the same thing where the Fiend gets to the top, or Bray Wyatt gets to the top, and then they just don't let him cross that line. You just can't quite get over. And that match is universally hated. I don't know anyone who enjoys that match because it was booked so stupidly. Didn't make any sense. It especially doesn't make sense in that they then continue the feud at i believe it was crown jewel i've got it written down yes crown jewel and they put the title on him why didn't they just do it at hell in the cell i, I don't get it why didn't they just do a normal match at hell in the cell i don't know it just it was so so stupid anyway he gets his main event again he gets his rematch and he gets the world title he beats seth in a match that i really enjoy that match i i think it builds up the fiend and every way that you want he looks scary he looks strong seth doesn't look weak during this match because he beats the living piss out of the fiend hits him with everything but the kitchen sink throws him off the stage you then kind of get that horror shot of the fiend stand back up mandible claw one two three beautiful and that ending shot with the lights flashing on and off with this creepy music in the background and the fiends holding the title i thought yes here we go this is his opportunity this is the chance. And it kind of was. It's certainly the best run of Bray Wyatt's career in terms of looking strong, having good matches, and being a world champion as well. So Seth disappears, which is probably what was needed. He has his little kind of mini feud with The Miz, which I liked because he doesn't wrestle as The Fiend during that match, which was a bit different. And he was worried they were going to make him drop the title in that match. 
They didn't. That was great. And then we get The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. That strap match is really, really underrated. I think you have to credit Daniel Bryan a lot for that match as well because there's only so much you can do working around The Fiend as that character, as that version of him. Daniel Bryan is great in that match and again, kicks the living shit out of The Fiend. They beat each other, pillar to post, straps all over. Great match. The right result, which was The Fiend winning, again, looks dominant and we're thinking, good, we are good to go. Everything is strong. He's going to be unbeatable for a while. No, don't be stupid. Old man Goldberg's going to come around and squash him in like two minutes. And for me, this is where The Fiend ends. That's it done. I've not watched that match again since. I, I watched it live at the time. The build-up worried me a little bit in that I thought maybe they're going to be stupid enough to put the belt on Goldberg. But I had so much hope that they weren't going to be that stupid because why would you put the belt on Goldberg who can't really wrestle anymore? Not that he really could in his prime, but certainly you're not going to squash your absolutely impervious to pain monster who can just smash everyone. He's been through wars with Daniel Bryan, The Miz, Seth Rollins, all of your top guys now all of your top young talent, he's beaten. Goldberg's not going to beat him. Couple of spears, one, two, three, done. Jesus Christ, it was awful. I, I don't know. I, I hope Vince and WWE got paid a huge, huge, huge amount of money from the Saudis to agree to that booking decision because I, I, it can't have been Vince's decision to th think that made sense. I mean, it could have been, I suppose. But... The less said about this match, the better. It was awful, and it just it killed the Fiend's legitimacy to get not only beaten, but squashed by Goldberg. And people will say, oh, well, it happened with Brock. It's not the same thing. You know it's not the same thing. Whatever. Fuck that match. Fuck the whole booking of it. He then goes and gets a win over Cena at Mania in what's one of the most mental cinematic matches ever, which I really like that match. I'm not going to sit and slag it off. I'm actually not going to go into a huge amount of detail with that match either but the match itself is fun he gets a win over Cena the problem is it's at a mania where there's no crowds it's a cinematic match it doesn't really mean a lot it was a lot of fun I enjoyed it but that's kind of what it was I think then that maybe Vince or whoever in creative felt a bit bad about the way that the Goldberg incident had happened so he gets the world title back but by this point it's not the same you kind of you know he's beatable, and you know he's beatable easily by the right guy. So he beats Strowman, he has his swamp match with Strowman, which is all right. Again, some of the cinematic matches I can take or leave, but I credit all of the wrestlers back then, whether it be WWE, AW, anywhere, to be able to make that product work with no crowds. Can't have been easy. Like I said, that cinematic match I, I quite enjoy. The, that and the Boneyard match were kind of my two highlights of Mania. And Rhea versus Charlotte. But again, that mania for what it was wasn't bad. The match was nuts. It was great. And then, like I say, we get the title on Str from Strowman. It's all right. It, it's okay, this run. But it kind of always feels like you're just waiting for him to drop it. And then Roman comes back. I get it that Braun takes the pin. But the Fiend's Bray Wyatt doesn't look great coming out of this. And again, it's just he's lost all of the allure of What's going to happen next? Who can possibly beat him? Because a, a guy in his mid-50s beat him in two minutes or whatever. 
<sighs> and then the biggest recurring theme here is Randy Orton. And again, I'm not going to sit here and slag Randy Orton off too much, but I do think he's had a big part to play in why Bray Wyatt's not quite peaked. Randy's been there long enough to make decisions on creative, and some of these repeated wins over Bray Wyatt, he should have said no to. And I'm not necessarily saying this match at Mania that we're getting to, he should have said no to, because it was pretty clear Bray Wyatt was on the way out. I'm not even going to go into the whole build-up of this match because it's awful. So you get Alexa Bliss getting involved, which I didn't mind. I do think that started to add an extra layer to the character. But then it was just stupid. They have Alexa Bliss beats Randy Orton, which was embarrassing. You set Bray Wyatt on fire. I know this isn't all in order. There's just bits I remember. He comes back and he's all charred. And this, it was just... I don't have a lot to say on it. It just, again, killed the fiend absolutely for me i was just not interested anymore he goes to mania and he looks skinny compared to what he looked like previously and he also it, it's it's hard to say this because he has obviously his whole face covered but he also looks like he doesn't want to be there and i'm assuming because he knew the booking decision he didn't want to be there he has a very very average match with Randy Orton the biggest highlight of that match is the entrance which was pretty cool coming out of the jack-in-the-box but then Alexa Bliss suddenly has all this shit pissing out of her head he's all shocked one RKO one two three job done he gets he loses clean again <sighs> and that's the fiend done that's him done and it was just it was a sad way for the fiend to end what starts is so strong finishes so meekly and just poorly and it's the same old story when it comes to Bray Wyatt. He gets to the top, he drops, he gets to the top. Every opportunity he gets. And don't get me wrong, I think he has to take some blame for this as well in terms of his ideas for creative and his unwillingness to seemingly say no to certain things as well. So anyway, he loses, he's gone, he gets released, and he's gone forever. And you kind of think he's probably not coming back if he's going anywhere, I know there was a lot of talk of him going to AEW, which I'm glad they didn't do. Don't get me wrong, because that would have been awful. I, I can't see any way they make that any better than what he's done in WWE. It's probably going to be worse because he'll have even more creative control and he's a bit all over the place. So anyway, we then start seeing little hints that that guy might be coming back. And again... It shows the drawing power and the pulling power that guy has. Because the second I thought, ooh, this white rabbit might be Bray Wyatt, I am all in. I am there for Bray Wyatt's amazing return. Whether it's as The Fiend, as Bray Wyatt, as something different. I was straight away all in. I'm back again. How this guy can take so many losses at the top, top end and still draw us back in. Again, credits where it's due. So, we have weeks and weeks and weeks of these vignettes. You think it's definitely going to be him. I loved the build-up to it. I loved the QR codes, all the little sneaky hints. It was just all... I loved it. And then he returns. And it's an epic return where you get the Firefly Funhouse. But there are people now. They've left the Funhouse and they're in the audience. And then the door opens and that roar is fucking deafening. He takes the mask off and the crowd just go crazy. Again, 
I am all in by this point. He's done it again. He's drawn me in. Let's see where we're going to go. The problem is we kind of don't go anywhere. And I've, I found his latest run really, really weird. I don't know whether he was injured from the start, but they build up this whole feud with LA Knight, who, again, shout out to LA Knight. I think that guy's great, and I'm glad he's starting to get some of the credit he deserves on the main roster. But they build this feud up, and they build up the Lights Out match, but that takes months. And there's lots of Uncle Howdy going on, what's going on with Uncle Howdy. And don't get me wrong, I was all in. I'm, I'm invested. I don't need all of this hotshot booking where I need an answer every single week. I think that's somewhere that AEW sometimes fall down on, but again, it's a different subject for a different day. I like the fact they were dragging it out to a point. The problem was there was never any payoff for this, which is why I'm not a big fan of it. But we get to the Lights Out match, and the match itself is very whatever it was just an advertisement for mountain dew but he looked fucking nuts i like the whole makeup the whole do he looks impenetrable again he gets another mask on smashes him up uncle howdy jumps off and misses the elbow drop but that's not a bray wyatt and i thought you know what the match itself wasn't really that great but as a spectacle it drew me in again i wanted to see what was going on and then he doesn't wrestle again and I know he broke his finger in that match, so he had to stay off for a little while. They keep him on TV. There's things going on. What's going to happen? And then you think, wow, Bobby Lashley's coming up. That's going to be an interesting match. Is it necessarily the match I want to see Bray Wyatt in the most? Probably not, especially because I would worry that he'll lose at WrestleMania again, this time to Bobby Lashley. But they start to build it up, and then just he's gone. Now, him leaving reeks of Vince McMahon being back it does like when he returned it was clearly because Triple H was there Triple H was in charge I can only assume he has a lot of issues with the way that the Fiend was booked under Vince and fuck who wouldn't who wouldn't be upset that booking was atrocious by the end so he comes back under Triple H and then yeah around about the same time Vince suddenly makes his miraculous return with his weird little pencil mustache looking like a villain from an old school James Bond film, Bray Wyatt's off TV. Now, he's been gone ever since, and there's lots of talk of as and when he'll come back. Now, they say he's injured. He might well be injured, but it's safe to say that he's also having issues on the mental front. He has to be, because if he broke his leg, the WWE will just tell you he's broke his leg. If, he's, if it's anything physical, they're, they're just going to tell you what it is. The fact that they haven't said they've just said he's away and he's injured again it, it reeks to me of two things one he doesn't want to work under Vince and two he's struggling himself mentally now if that's the case on the mental health front then he needs to stay away from wrestling like I understand obviously losing Luke Harper I believe he lost another of his close friends like they were a horrible things for anyone to go through I'm not surprised he's struggling like in his last run, I liked that he kept throwing in little bits about Luke Harper. I thought that was really kind of endearing and cute, to be honest, which I know is not necessarily words that you would stick with Bray Wyatt. But, yeah, he's struggling somewhere. And if it, if it is just a Vince problem, then he needs to just be released and go because Vince is not going anywhere. As much as people like to say Triple H is in charge, which I, I think on a day-to-day -day he probably is, Vince has the last say, and if Vince wants something, it's getting done. Triple H ain't pushing back on that. He's certainly got a lot of power, but Vince is always going to have the final say. And if they 
can't get past that if Bray Wyatt is refusing to get past that he needs to ask for his release and go however there's a lot of talk that he's going to come back I know they've talked about him coming back as the Fiends I hope they don't do that in the future I'm actually not against the Fiend coming back I know they said that the molds of the Fiend mask have been destroyed that's whatever they can remake them I, I, I know they're kind of using that as a reason why it couldn't happen my fear is that they've purposely made sure that that's got released to try and surprise us when the fiend does come back but i hope it's not he doesn't come back as the fiend Re reason is pretty simple it then just stinks of this new incarnation has failed we'll go back to what we know and there's not been enough time with the fiend being gone to rebuild really him back up again i still can't help think of goldberg and randy orton well look at the fiend if he's coming back they need to make sure he's back for the long run that he's happy that he's comfortable fuck sit down and plan out the next six months with that guy say look this is the plan if he's not happy with it you either come to a compromise or you tell him that's it done he should be on tv because again it's crazy like his last run he did nothing he has one match if he's back on tv on smackdown on friday you best believe i'm on the first people queuing up to watch that and see his run again He's got that pulling power. He's got the star power. He has all the potential in the world. He needs the right creative team with him, the right management with him to push him in the right direction, take his good ideas, brush away his bad ideas without upsetting him. I think they need to bring him back still with Uncle Howdy because none of that's ever been explained. And it was interesting. As much as people got annoyed, it was taking a long time. There's a story to be told there that clearly still involves the fiends because he was mentioned repeatedly, even if not by name throughout that and it means they can still bring him back i know they spoke about bringing the fiend back as someone else maybe as bo dallas i hope they don't do that either i think that's kind of dumb but i do think they can make that work also but he needs to come back as the white rabbit version he needs to wrestle a bit more not a lot i, I don't need to see bray wyatt wrestle week in week out a bit similar to i don't need to see roman reigns wrestle week in week out again i'm not comparing them at, at all just as a comparison for why i don't need to see them wrestle all the time let me see bray wyatt on my screens every week and every few weeks let me see him smashing someone up attacking someone doing something and then at the pay-per-view let him have a big match against a big name depending on how they build that character he doesn't need to win every match especially if uncle howdy starts getting involved turning on him which he he did kind of at one point and then didn't again it was all a bit jumbled up his last run but i, I think done right there's still a market for that and people are still going to want to see him wrestle the big question for me is does he want to wrestle does he see himself wrestling he's made a lot of money i'm sure he's not hurting for cash you know but if he thinks he's mentally not there anymore if he's mentally checked out then he, he needs to call it there he needs to just say you know what i had a good run which he did like as much as i've said about his run being up and down that guy's had a career that most wrestlers would kill for he's certainly not had a bad career the problem is there's just potential there that he's not quite hit that he's just again not not got to where he could the guy's had an unbelievable career it shows how captivating he is that we're still talking about him now in terms of what he's going to do if and when he comes back which version of him is it going to be so from that front i'm really excited but i think a lot of this sits with bray wyatt he needs to sit down and go you know what do i want to do this or am i done 
because if he's only going to half-ass it, then it's it's not worth it. He needs to be all in on his character, on his promos, and in ring. In ring's the big one. Like we need to see him wrestle and win some matches. I don't think he is anywhere near the title picture. Just keep him away from that. And that's on him. I think he needs to have a six-month run of being consistent, six, seven months. If after that point you want to then maybe look at him against Seth or Cody or Roman or, or whatever, these will viable matches that I'm probably going to want to see. Roman versus Peak Bray Wyatt or Roman versus The Fiend, I'm all for that. But I don't know how to book it at the same time because I don't really want to see The Fiend lose clean one, two, three. I'm assuming they don't want to drop roman's monumental title reign to the fiend either but again this is just me just fantasy booking now but it shows even now i still want to see him wrestle the top guys and be in top programs that does say something so i do have everything crossed for his return i'm gonna go out on a limb and say by SummerSlam he's back i think he might return at money in the bank but i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna push for, i'm gonna shoot for SummerSlam by SummerSlam. i say we see bray wyatt if not in the ring, at least on our screens again, talking or in some in some manner, he's going to be on screens again. And I'm I'm praying I'm praying this is finally going to be the one because again I, I love Bray Wyatt. I'm, I'm praying this is going to be the one where he gets the run that he deserves, not the run where he just beats everyone, smashes everyone, but the run where he feels legitimately one of the top guys. I'm, I'm praying I'm praying to all that is good that this is going to be gonna be his run I, I believe he's coming back having said that if he does sit down and goes you know what i just don't have it mentally anymore it's it's too hard it's too upsetting i want to just stay home and look after my wife and kids then all credit to that guy for doing that as well either way thank you very much bray wyatt for giving me a lot of entertainment over the last 10 years i do hope we see him again but yeah, that is, in a nutshell, Bray Wyatt and what is going on with him. Fingers crossed we see him again. My name is Joe Taylor and this has been Wrestler's Court.